This is Nicole Deffenbaugh. If you are enjoying the podcast, we invite you to tell your friends and family and like us on Facebook at Health Stories Podcast. So I was having what my uh, gastroenterologist determined were gallbladder attacks. And so he referred me to um, have an ultrasound done of my gallbladder uh, in order to determine whether I needed surgery or not. And I went in for the ultrasound and the tech was doing a whole bunch of views um, in the middle of my chest and on the side. And she didn't really explain why she was doing all of these views, but uh, it took about a half an hour, which is a little bit longer than other ultrasounds that I've had uh, would take. And after I finished the ultrasound, um, a week had gone by and nobody called me with the results. And so I went on to the online system uh, for the organization that I go through. Um, and uh, I don't usually use the online system, so this is my first time looking at my records online. And the first thing that I saw uh, was the description of uh, possible gallstones, and then there was an explanation that the um, radiologist was unable to tell if they were really gallstones or not because of patient size. And that's what it said in my records. Um, and at that moment, I was so angry and thought to myself, maybe it's her fault, or maybe it's the equipment's fault. Why did she need to write that it's because of patient size? Welcome to Health Stories, interviews inside the healthcare system. We're happy to announce we have had 15,000 downloads since the beginning of this podcast. And for that, we would like to thank you, the listener for not only listening to the podcast, but for telling others. I'm Nicole Deffenbaugh, Clinical Communications Specialist and Health Communications Scholar. And I'm delighted to have Dr. Jennifer C. Dunn, who's an Associate Professor of Rhetoric and Public Culture here on the podcast today. She's going to be talking about weight bias in our healthcare system. So welcome, Jen. Thank you very much, Nicole. <laughs> okay, so you have this um, scan done and the radiologist or, or tech um, ends up putting in the report that they couldn't see? They, they, because they said that they were un, unclear views. Unclear views yes. because of patient size. So I know that this information goes to a, a physician, um, right. So did you end up having a, an appointment with a physician who sort of detailed back the results from the, from the scan? Yeah, the follow-up was with the surgeon, um, oh, my gastroenterologist, given my, my family history with gallbladder issues, um, just decided that, you know, I was probably going to need to have it out to avoid any, um, making it worse with my pancreas getting involved. And so he really wants to take this my gallbladder out. So um, the views went to the surgeon and I had an appointment with the surgeon. And since I had already seen what it said online, I was really curious about what he was going to say um, when he talked to me about this. And in his description, um, he claimed it was quote unquote soft evidence of stones. And I said, well, what does that mean? And he said, well, the radiologist wasn't able to get quite a clear enough view for us to determine whether or not they're actual stones. Um, and again, you know, this is based on, this is a second um, 
ultrasound that I've had done. And so it was really interesting at that moment that he didn't put in because of patient size. Um, and I don't know if that's better or not, but uh, I found it interesting that he did not use the same terminology that she wrote in the file that I know is there. Yeah. I, I Yeah, it's interesting because you say you're not sure if it's good or not because my first thought is, well, thank goodness he didn't repeat the same thing that the technician had said. Um, and your opening story, too, you also say, who's to say it wasn't the equipment? Mm-hmm. Who's to say it wasn't something else? And so um, what, did, what did it feel like to have a technician say that unclear image because of patient weight? Well, as a rhetorician, <laughs> I don't typically think of anything as being objective. Um, but, you know, doctors say that what they do is supposed to be objective, that it's based on the evidence that is presented in front of them. And putting in because of patient size, when there are potentially other factors that could have interfered with those views was really frustrating because that's not objectivity in any way, shape or form. That is her bias. Um, and something that I've experienced a lot um, in my experiences with the medical industry, and that is putting blame on patients for things that happen in order to avoid being blamed themselves. And I don't know if doctors, nurses, any kind of practitioners really think about it, but there is that automatic reaction to say, oh, it's not my fault. Oh, you know, if you had moved a different way um, and to put it on the patient as opposed to claiming it. And so for me, um, it makes me mad. Um, It makes me frustrated. It makes me mad because putting those kinds of comments um, could potentially bias other people that are treating me to think the problem is my size rather than the fact that, um, you know, my mother, my father and my sister have all had their gallbladders out and, You know, so it shouldn't be a big surprise, regardless of my size, that I'm having gallbladder issues. And yet now that's an intervening factor because she's put that in the file. And that's why I'm so glad that you're on this podcast, because when we talk about bias there, um, and and I don't want to preface this statement with there isn't enough on these other topics as well. When we often think about patient diversity and we think about bias, we, we sometimes hear Um, And again, not enough about racial bias. Um, We hear potentially about gender. We had one on transgendered individuals, LGBTQ. Um, So talking about all these biases we need to be aware of. Um, But one of the things that is really a problem um, that we don't talk about is how much weight bias there is. Because we don't, um, and I say we collectively as a society, don't often think about the impact an individual because of their weight um, and how that impacts the care that they receive. Um, so when I worked in the healthcare system, I remember there um, with the medical school, they had different scenarios with the med students to talk and think about um, the placement of the scale was interesting because I don't know if you remember, scales used to be in the middle of the hallway. Um, in oh, a doctor's office, and some, oh, and some of them still are, yeah. Uh-huh. And so you're walking by and everybody is seeing what your weight is, the size of the chairs, um, not necessarily accommodating individuals, the size of a hospital bed, the size of the gown. The, I mean, there's so many aspects 
of the healthcare system that are really biased against, against individuals of a certain size. Um, and as a result, that really infiltrates um, the ways that individuals are or are not cared for and how they're treated and the perceptions that individuals have. And I really, I really commend and appreciate you sharing your opening story. You know, it's funny that you brought up other forms of bias um, because one thing that I, I have noticed over time and especially more recently, um, because my... Uh, my primary care physician, um, I've always chosen a woman as my mm. primary care physician. And um, whenever I go to female doctors, I always get the right size gown. Um, mm. And with my gastroenterologist, with um, the surgeon, and with a rheumatologist that I met with recently, uh, who were all men, I did not get the right size gown with any of them. Um, and so it's really interesting, um, even those perceptions and what people think about versus what they don't think about um, when you go into the offices. But, but for me, so far, I have mostly taken the tack of observing what my doctors are doing and only confronting it when it becomes problematic. Um, and that's mostly because I'm trying to give everyone the benefit of the doubt to begin with, um, but that hasn't necessarily worked all the, all the time. Um, and so, you know, I've tried different strategies more recently as well. Yeah. So I want to get back to your story because um, I know that you have a number of instances of how weight bias affected your health care um, and wondered if you could um, tell us a couple of other interesting stories for our listeners so they, they could really hear how this um, has impacted you and, and impacts others. Mm -hmm. um, I also want to bring up just based on what you were just saying in, in terms of making that choice and, and resources um, that my eyes were really opened about six or seven years ago um, when I read Paul Campos' Paul Campos's book, The Obesity Myth. Um, and one of the things that he says in that book is that um, the obesity crisis in America can be traced back to 2004 and a CDC report that claimed that 400,000 Americans were dying every year from obesity. Oh. And the report actually said that 400,000 people were dying from obesity a year. Um, and then, of course, it wasn't actually obesity that any of these people were dying from. It was a host of, of conditions. And because of the list of the host of conditions, there is now this presumption that obesity and these particular conditions equal death, and therefore it must be solved. Mm -hmm. And um, the problem, of course, is that um, thin people have these conditions too, and thin people die from these conditions too. And so yes. there is both this bias that if you are fat and have these conditions or you're at risk for these conditions, you are a threat in some way. And then it becomes this moral issue, and that's where a lot of these judgments are coming from. And, of course, <laughs> the solution is not a societal one. It's an individual one, right? Mm -hmm. These people need to act in particular ways or change their behavior in order to solve this problem. Um, but the causal links don't exist, and, and intervening factors exist. How many times have you gone to the doctor for anything, and the first thing out of your mouth was, well, you should just lose weight? Um, I've been for a cold, 
I've been for a sinus infection. I've been for pain in my hip that is bursitis, which is hilarious. I'm like a 95-year-old woman now. Um, I've been for um, eye issues and been told to lose weight. I've been for so many issues and been told, um, like the first thing out of their mouth is, oh, well, you know, I, I see you still need to work on your weight. Okay, but... I, I have snot coming out of my nose. I can't breathe. I am here for nothing other than this cold, and you're really not being helpful by telling me that. And when I um, – so I, I had the same doctor for about eight, almost nine years here in the Chicagoland area, and that was one of the issues. And I should have gotten a new doctor, and I didn't, and I'm very happy that this doctor retired. Um, but when I got the new doctor in my first meeting with her, this was my first real attempt at advocacy, I feel like. And when she came in, I said, I need to tell you, one of the things that really bothered me about the old doctor was every time I came in, she told me I needed to lose weight. And the doctor tried to listen. And then after I was done speaking, she said, well, you know, we don't see you very often. And so when you come in, we want to make sure to mention the things that we feel are issues. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, that's nice. But when I have a cold, the last thing I want to hear is that I need to lose weight because losing weight is not going to help with my cold. And so I haven't had this doctor for even a year yet. So we'll see how things work out. But yeah, way too often I've been told to lose weight um, when it is totally unrelated to why I was at the doctor. I know of a story that I want our listeners to hear, mm-hmm. and I really want you to tell them okay. about when um, two two things I want you to share because we're almost at the halfway point already. Uh-huh. Um, one is when you actually did lose weight once, and how your your physician responded. Can you tell us that story? Yeah. So. Um... <laughs> The uh, fall and winter of 2016 was hard for many of us for many reasons, Um, but I had uh, a particularly bad uh, IBS flare-up that came about in late November 2016, and it lasted for two and a half months. And Mm -hmm. a typical bad flare-up for me might last a month, but this was terrible. Um, And so, you know, I did all the things that I've learned, um, and it finally did go away. Um, but at that point I decided that some things just needed to change. And one of the things that is really, really important and does help me prevent flare ups and help stop them when they're happening is listening to my body. And, uh, by listening to my body, when, when I'm having an IBS flare up, I have to eat every two, two to three hours. Um, because otherwise I get cramping and I can't eat big meals. I have to eat small meals. Um, and so to help myself, you know, I'll literally just like, if I went out to a restaurant, I would literally put half of the food into a to to go container before I even started eating so that I made sure that I didn't eat too much. And then I would have something to eat in two to three hours after I left the restaurant. So, um, I, at that point, had another one of those moments where I said, I need to stop listening to what anybody else tells me about my body. And I need to start listening to my body. Um, which sounds simple when you just put it into words like that. But anybody who has ever tried any kind of diet ever in your entire life knows that that kind of decision is not always that simple. But I think that the pain that I had been in 
made me really start listening to my body. The not listening to other people was trying to block out doctors who kept telling me to lose weight, um, people who judge me on the street, whether it's looks or words or whatever it is. Um, and I also just said, you know what? There's so many people with so many different sized bodies. Why don't I just take up some space on this planet and just own it, you know? Um, and what I didn't realize at the time, though, is that that also meant that I couldn't listen to people when they complimented me. Um, I had to, to block it all out. So a year later, <laughs> toward the end of uh, 2017, coming into 2018, I realized that I had not had a IBS flare-up in over a year. Um, and I also somehow had lost 30 pounds. And so in my head, I was thinking to myself when I was getting ready to go to the doctor, this is great. Now the doctor can stop giving me a hard time about losing weight because she'll see that I lost weight and maybe we just won't deal with it. So I walked into the doctor's office, uh, excited to hear what she was going to say about me having lost 30 pounds or at least not giving me a hard time. And um, I go in, and at first she didn't notice at all, um, and, uh, and we were talking about other things, and I was trying to get a referral for her for my yearly appointments. And, um, and then at a certain point, um, she was asking me about my IBS, and I said, yeah, I haven't had a flare-up in over a year. And she said, oh, that's great. And, I, and she asked why. And so I started the story about not listening to anybody, um, and then said that, you know, that led to losing weight. And... She didn't even let me finish at that point. She's like, oh, my God, you've lost 30 pounds. That's great. That's She's like, why are you not more excited about this? Wow. And so she didn't ask me, like, if I wanted to lose weight or mm. anything. She just was so excited about it. She seemed more focused on the fact that I had lost weight than the fact that I hadn't had an IBS flare-up in over a year. Wow. And so then I had to remind myself um, – I can't listen to what others think. So that means if she's excited about it, I don't want to listen to that just the same as I don't want to listen to her continually telling me to lose weight. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, <laughs> I'm, so, I'm so stunned. As somebody with IBD, inflammatory bowel disease, losing weight is often common because of the nature of the disease. And so... I've sort of switched my mentality, and when I see somebody who's lost a lot of weight, I wonder if they're sick, you know, if something happened to them, and yet it sounds like in your experiences, you lose weight, and it's this, oh my, it's a, it's a big celebration. Wow, that's so wonderful. Yeah. Um, well, and, and, you know, the flip side of this is, um, nine years ago when I first came to to this area and went to the doctor, that's when I learned that I also have a hypothyroid. And when I found out that I had a hypothyroid, we went through all the testing to, you know, make sure I didn't have anything worse. I didn't have cancer or anything like that. And, um, I went through all the testing and the doctor not once, not once mentioned that this might impact my weight in some way mm -hmm. or my ability to lose weight in some way. And so not a single one of my doctors has ever talked to me about the relationship between my thyroid and my weight. And so the only reason I know that there's a relationship is from my own research. And so why would doctors continue to tell me to lose weight when I have a hypothyroid, which interferes with my ability to lose weight and yet not give me strategies to lose weight that also address my thyroid? And they don't. Yeah, I want to transition into... Um 
talking about, because I, I like to ask interviewees about advice and, and what you've learned from these experiences and thinking about the encounters that you've had with clinicians that have been both positive and also challenging for you. Um, thinking about how the, when you went to the nutritionist, for example, there's a sort of quick fix, you know, that if you would just, and going back to the book too, if you would just lose weight, it would solve all your problems. That's number one. That seems to be the number one myth. If you just lose weight, you went in for a cold and you were told to loss, to lose weight. You went in um, for your hip and you were told to lose weight. And so, um, and, and again, this quick fix, if you would just eat smaller portions, you would lose weight. But how are individuals being treated because of it? And the way that you're being treated um, really needs to be addressed. So, um, Jen, based on everything that you've learned, what suggestions and insights do you have for um, individuals who are in the clinical healthcare uh, role and things to consider when they are treating and working with an individual who has been identified? I want to use that terminology too. Now, who's over, who's been identified and um, placed into that checkbox um, that exists as being overweight? So I think it's probably, and you know, I'm not a doctor and I haven't gone to, gone to medical school, but I think one of the first lessons that they teach in medical school is that you're supposed to diagnose somebody based on the evidence that's presented to you. Um, and I think that um, what weight bias has done in the medical industry is as soon as they see you, that's their first piece of evidence is you're fat, therefore you must be X, Y, or Z. Um, and... You know, when I wish that I could be in on somebody else's conversation with a new doctor because I know that one of the questions that I'm always asked is, are you diabetic? Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that question is being asked because of my weight or if it is a typical question. Um, but I do know, having gone into appointments with my husband, that he's not asked if he's diabetic. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that if the lesson, lessons that they're taught in med school or, you know, nursing school, whatever kind of practitioner we're talking about, about diagnosing what's actually going on based on the actual evidence as opposed to making assumptions about what someone looks like from the outside, um, I think is the, the first step in the right direction. If a patient comes in and is complaining of an ear infection, perhaps it's not about their weight. I know that seems so silly, um, but yeah. perhaps it's about inflammation in their ear caused by an infection, and maybe that's what you should focus on. Um, and if someone comes in with and has a blood test and they're you know at the high end of normal, talk them through what that means, just like you would talk that through what that means with someone who appears thin, um, and, and talk about all of the possible things that they need to consider, and. I don't think that this is a big mystery because I think it is what they're being taught. It's just that those biases um, against particular um, issues are clouding what they are looking at. Um, do they ask me if I, you know, walk 30 minutes a day? And I do. No. Do they mm -hmm. ask me about other aspects of my life? No. Um, and perhaps those are other things that would be important um, in diagnosing as opposed to judging and making the patient feel bad. Yeah. So the assumption is that you don't do things that are considered healthy habits. 
right? Wellness habits of, of walking, the way that you talked about how you eat, the portions you eat, you figured out oh. for your body, you know? Sorry to interrupt, but yeah. I just thought of this one. This is an oldie but a goodie. Um, when I did go on Weight Watchers, um, maybe eight years ago or so, right after that first doctor, um, uh, I came in and she asked me what I was doing to lose weight and I told her I was on Weight Watchers and she goes, oh, whatever they're telling you to eat, cut that by half. Wow. She wanted me to eat less yeah. than Weight Watchers was telling me to, even though their program is based on long-term weight loss right. at the correct weight, uh, the correct rate. And she was basically telling me, Oh no, you need to lose weight faster, but eat half of that. So she didn't care about whether it was healthy or not. She just wanted me to lose weight. Yeah. So sorry. I just remembered that. One. No, no, that was good to add. And, and, and again, what the point is that you're trying to, that I hear you making, and I think it's really important for people to understand is that weight doesn't equate unhealthy per se. There are individuals who are underweight, nor, quote, I'm using scare quotes, normal weight, right, who have many health conditions, but we don't necessarily think of those. You're talking about these implicit biases and stereotypes that when you see an individual, they are within the chart that says that their BMI is a certain um, level, that their weight, they're autom you are automatically, it sounds like, put into that category. Your primary diagnosis sounds like overweight is probably yep. in your chart, right? That's your number one diagnosis. And so all of these assumptions that are made that you don't try to lose weight, but more importantly, it's not about weight loss as much as it's about healthy habits. And so nobody's asking you, if you do these things, if how you eat, if you exercise, the assumption is that you automatically, the automatic assumption is that you don't. Mm -hmm. So, Absolutely. yeah, and so it sounds like for people to ask you, um, even the question, I guess, would you like to be asked, um, do you want to talk about your weight? Do you even get asked that question or do they just sort of go in and just start talking about it? Right? <laughs> <laughs> nope. It's always, uh, you need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. You need to lose weight. Yeah. yeah. There's, there's no asking. Yeah. Yeah. And so having you participate in that conversation, asking if you'd like to talk about it, perhaps after you discuss your, the reason for your acute visit being a cold, right? So let's talk about your cold first. I, I, you know, again, having worked with clinicians, I recognize why they ask these questions. And again, if you are overweight, the assumption is, and I use that word assumption again, is that you haven't had that conversation with anyone and they need to make sure that it gets addressed. And that's why the, the thyroid example is a good one to keep in mind because your thyroid affects your metabolism. And so, yeah. you know, if you have a hypothyroid, that's going to affect your ability to lose weight. And doctors are not talking to me about that. Mm -hmm. They're only talking to me about how I need to lose weight. And so if we really want to have the weight conversation, let's have the conversation that includes mm -hmm. all of the factors that are involved, not just the fact that you, whoever that you happens to be, want me to lose weight. Mm -hmm. um, we need to talk about all of the factors involved. So let's, uh, I want to finish with you uh, really addressing for everyone listening um, whether it's for yourself uh, or a loved one or a family member, what are some tips that you have for those of us navigating the healthcare system as patients or as loved ones of somebody who has been identified as overweight? What are some things that you've learned and some suggestions you have? 
So, um, you know, I can't stress enough the idea of self-advocacy. And um, I, I've, I have done it now and again, um, but it's hard. And, um, and, you know, looking stuff up and learning about it and trying to evaluate the sources I'm getting the information from and then experimenting with things that work or don't work for me, um, even taking the step to, to decide not to listen to other people and to try to make decisions that feel good for my body um, and help me feel better, um, all of those things I, I think are probably things you hear a lot, and, and that's because they are very important. But what I want to focus on is, number one, how hard that can be when you're interacting with a medical professional, um, because we assume that they are the experts and that they know more than we do, and so it's really hard to actually say the things that you want to say. And so one of the things that I found that helps is bringing in the evidence, whether it's a printout from something that I read or an actual book or anything, so that it's not just me talking, it's also these other sources that I've looked up, hmm. and how the medical professional reacts to that information can really determine whether you should stick with them or not mm -hmm. and that idea of changing doctors is difficult and it is a privilege for some of us who have certain kinds of insurance and so uh, you know all of those things are really important but the other part of it is we've got to as patients we've got to hold the medical professionals that we interact with we've got to hold them accountable I was so proud of myself when I got the new doctor and the first thing I said is it was really annoying to me with the other doctor when she would tell me that I was overweight and that I needed to lose weight every time I came in. And even though I'm still trying to figure out if this new doctor is going to talk to me differently or react differently, you know, I'm still trying to figure that out, but I was so proud of myself for putting that out there when we first met and just mm -hmm. getting it out there. And if I see that radiologist who gave me my ultrasound again, I'm going to say, hey, why did you put that in my file? And see what they have to say, you know? And these are not easy questions or easy comments to make. But I feel like if we as patients don't make them to the people who are making these assumptions or making us feel this way, that nothing's going to change. Yeah. Yeah. So really, um, I'm hearing you say um, telling individuals how you feel, what your concerns are up front, um, because weight bias is one of the primary reasons that people don't go to see a doctor because they're aware that they're, they're potentially going to be stereotyped and not treated the same. Um, and so, uh, but you're also saying finding the strength to be able to speak up and advocate for yourself. Um, and I can only imagine how difficult that must be and challenging to do that. Um, and really commend you for, for doing that for yourself. Um, and doing that for, for those who are listening. Any other suggestions or advice? So final thoughts, because we're at the end of our time. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like to ask final, final thoughts or comments. Honestly, um, the way that people treat me um, has a bigger impact on me than I feel that my actual weight does. And when people see me as a whole person, um, I feel great. And when people only see me as my weight and they judge me negatively for that reason, that's what makes me feel crappy. It's not my weight. Um, and, you know, that goes to a larger issue that we all need to address. What a great way to end the podcast. I, I 
That was a really good summary, I think, for everybody to, to think about and consider. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Dunn, for being on our podcast today. Really enjoyed speaking with you on a, a really important topic that really um, gets overlooked a lot. So thank you. Thank you for having me. And as a reminder, you can like us on Facebook at Health Stories Podcast. Uh, you can also find us on NicoleDefema.com slash blog. That's N-I-C-O-L-E-D-E-F as in Frank, E-N, B as in boy, A-U-G-H dot com slash blog. And we're on Twitter at health, uh, I'm sorry, at Stories Health. So please join us again next week uh, as we interview um, more individuals and hear about their personal stories as they navigate our healthcare system. This is Nicole Defenbaugh with Health Stories.